Neil Jane. Hi. Good to see you. I know. It's been a while. It has been a little while, and here we are face-to-face, not on the telephone. No. Amazing. It's good to see you. It is very good to see you, and we're in Orlando, and we are at Anna or... Anna. Anna. <laughs> I don't know if I've decided yet the correct way to say it. I heard you say Anna to somebody yesterday. Yeah. Which is the... Arthroscopic Association of North America, which is why I'm here. Right. That makes a lot of sense too. So why are you here? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Well, look, I came last year. I represented Boston last year at the conference as an international society and invited international society. And conveniently, because our president and vice president could not attend, I was next in line as the treasurer. So I, I snapped up the opportunity. So I came to Chicago last year and was mightily impressed by the content of the conference. Yeah, it's a great meeting. Yeah, it's fantastic. One so, of my favourites. So that was the principal reason. And then this year, I joined last. I joined ANA last year as a member. And so this year, I was invited onto the International Committee for ANA. So that meant I had to come this year. But actually, we've been here a couple of days now. And again, the content's been fabulous. Well, congratulations getting onto the International Committee. It's funny, actually, I notice on your badge that you've got about, obviously our listeners won't see this, but you've got about 400 ribbons off the bottom of this badge here. So committee member, it's an international attendee, friends. Yeah, I was getting a bit desperate by that point for ribbons. uh, Friends just mean you like the show. No. And then uh, Robert W. Jackson Society. What is that one? Well, that just gets me access to a lounge. I'm not actually a member of that that society, but... um, our good friend of the podcast, Kevin Plancher, advised me yesterday at the international meeting. I would get into the lounge being an international attendee, but I needed that sticker to get in, or the ribbon. Oh, well, good for you. So what I'm really interested in is how has this honour gone, and in particular, if there's any you know, any real highlights for you, any really good learnings? Yeah, lots, lots of learning, lots of learning. Um, there's been some highlight lectures as well, which have been pretty, uh, pretty fun, to be honest. I, mean, I think the theme this year has been one more of a debate and a challenge. So there's been a bit of pro and con, short, sharp lectures, uh, and really quite interesting. I think it got off to a good good start yesterday morning where John Tokish, JT Tokish uh, from Mayo in Arizona, took a bit of a shoeing actually from, uh, from John Kelly, who was the chair of the organising committee here. But it was, it was in good nature, obviously, and very funny. A bit of a, a bit of a shoe, so a bit of a roasting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed that. The roast. I think that's the <laughs> that's the better term for it, isn't it? But it was it was funny, and I think, like a lot of people, education is at its best when it's fun, and it's more likely to go in. Then, isn't it? You're more likely to absorb some pearls of wisdom. There was also a highlight yesterday for me. Um, Stephen Burkhart gave a great talk. And he termed the burden of craft, and I thought it was fantastic. Obviously, in society and life, things are becoming more and more machine-operated and machine-delivered, especially manual tasks. Ultimately, surgery is a a manual task. And it was talking about the possibility of that, but some of the problems that may be associated with it as well. So what do you mean, like robotics? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure the listeners and yourself are, are fully aware robotics have come about, particularly in arthroplasty. Massive trend. Yeah. And... That makes sense. Arthroplasty is very much a, a sequential procedure where you can almost have this um, assembly line process, cut here, cut here, cut here, cut here, put something on. And, and perhaps even in arthroplasty, you can do a pre-op CT scan, measure that up and, and have a, 
a computer-generated process from the pre-op state even. I think the difference with soft tissue is that there's more of an artistry to it and it's going to be harder, I think, to reproduce something machine-operated in, in soft tissue and that was uh, Steve Burkhardt's opinion as well and I had to agree with him, really. Did, did they open that up to questions? I mean, did anybody feel differently to that? No, the, the, a lot of the trend has been not a lot of questions. There's various points in the day that you can ask some questions, but there was that was more of a invited speaker guest lecture, um, which was just delivered not to take any questions. But yeah, you're right. A, a debate in the future on that would be quite an interesting thing. Yeah, and and again, right on trend, right on trend. Um, so something I wanted to ask you about because we were both in a in a lecture. Uh, so I saw your shiny bald head from a distance yesterday in a lecture that I was in. Thanks. And I wanted to. Uh, you're welcome. And I wanted to. Oh, I'm always ready with the compliments. Neil, yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, quick, quick with the compliments. Um, I wanted to know what you thought of Martha Murray's presentation on her bare ACL technique. Yeah, I found it very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, you know my philosophy. I'm a big uh, fan or component or proponent, I should say, of ligament preservation. So when I do an ACL, I try the Samper type technique as much as I can, try and, you know, use as much native ACL as there is remnant in my reconstruction. Repair is an interesting concept, and I think there's there's obviously a lot of push for it recently because it's new. There's an idealistic side to it but Martha Murray's obviously identified quite correctly there's a problem if there's a gap so unless you can get the ACL back to the femoral wall it's not going to heal the bear surgery bridges that gap and her results at least in the short term were quite quite encouraging so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses further on so let's go a bit deeper there Mm. Uh, you say the results now if I remember correctly was it 500 patients? Because I know there's two additional studies come out of her first study, um, which are ongoing. Was it 500 patients she presented on yesterday? Is that right? No, it was much less. It was, was much it? less. It was, it was, it was a two-year follow-up from a pilot study. So it was only about 20 or 30 patients. Oh, much lower than I thought then. Okay, so I, I, I think maybe I saw that the additional studies are 500 each mm-hmm. and, and assumed that this one had been as well. Um, I mean, Game Changer? I think we'll wait and see. I think I think what it is doing is it's giving more robust science to the theory that you don't necessarily have to reconstruct an ACL. Now, how you go about doing that, whether you augment it with a kind of hybrid-type fixation, which, you know, I'm a big fan of, or if you can repair it, that's another option. But I think what we've got to watch out for is the natural instinct in medicine where we see a new technique introduced and we almost push the boundaries of it too much and the pendulum swings too far to one side and as a result the results get skewed there's more negative results and people start doubting it and then they abandon the technique and we don't progress yeah yeah good take was it did you hear anybody else's opinion on the bear no no one talks to me here, wrestling mate. It's the bear just, it's no just, one talks just, to you just you me <laughs> no. oh well no we I know in the in the community it's got a lot of interest. It's got a lot of interest. I mean, Martha Murray has to be really commended for the work she's done based on just the biology of the ACL and the understanding that there is the capacity to regenerate. It wants to heal. It just can't because of a 
few environmental factors. You've got to give it that opportunity. Yeah, give it the chance and, and, and then it will. Um, I think looking beyond that, ACL repair, I think we're already seeing it. I've seen a couple of patients who've come to me for second opinions after ACL repair from people who've just tried to push the envelope a bit too much already and it's not really worked for them. Um, so there's, there's, there is a bit of that going on. We've just got to be careful that it's not getting too abundant. Yeah, no doubt. Good point. So um, you're here for another, what, day and a half? Yeah. Uh, what day is it? It's Friday now, isn't it? So Friday afternoon coming up. Yeah. Friday morning still. We've been in some uh, cartilage lectures, meniscus lectures. So what, what are you looking forward to? What's the, any big stuff on your agenda here that you want to, you're going to drop in and see? Yeah, well, it just came out of a, a really good talk about biologics, uh, an update on biologics and how, again, all that glistens isn't quite gold with uh, biologics going forward and in particular stem cells and how the results from stem cells isn't quite as encouraging as uh, maybe we're led to believe in the media. That was an eye-opener. But it also highlighted that, again, like we say, the use of PRP, we're now starting to realise the areas where it's useful. And right, so it's gone. It's the same as the story you just told. The pendulum swung. It was PRP everywhere. I, mean, I remember going to AAOS maybe three or four years ago, and every other booth was uh, was was pushing PRP. There was a lot of startups. It was a big trend, and uh, and you're saying now that it seems the pendulum's swinging sort of back to the middle ground, and maybe the results aren't as good as we've seen, but what we're finding out is where it is applicable and, and where we do get good results. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's been such a huge volume of papers and research about PRP and you can pick, pick up evidence that says it works. You can pick up evidence to say it doesn't work for arthritis, for tendinopathy, for muscle tears. You can find something to match your opinion. What we're now seeing is that Actually, where where does it work? Where does it work consistently? Where does it not work consistently? Which type of PRP works for which type of diagnosis? Which actually makes more sense to the science of it because when you have an injury and you need a growth factor for healing, different injuries need different growth factors at different times in that healing process. So it's, it's probably a bit more refined than a magic bullet of an injection. And we're, we're starting to show that now with the, the results. For instance, there's some strong evidence now that the leukocytes poor PRP works very well for osteoarthritis of the knee. That's very different to a tendinopathy. So it's not going to work in the same way for tendinopathy. So it, it's proving what we probably should know if we just take a step back and think about the science. I think there's probably a, a lot more to come mm. on PRP over the next few years um, as we see that pendulum pen, pendulum swing back, uh, a lot of people are going to be coming and giving presentations on the work they've done the last few years. So what are you going to the rest of today or, or tomorrow? Any highlights coming up there that we might be able to talk to you about when you get home? Well, the rest of the meeting looks like it's mainly going to be free paper presentations. So, oh, that's cool. So yeah, first time research, first opportunity to be presenting things. So I'll be picking a few of those, seeing if there's a few new ideas that stimulate the mind. And then tomorrow, Saturday, there's this symposium uh, based on um, improving rotator cuff tear healing. Uh, it sounds like a great forum where the audience is going to sit there. They're going to listen to 
um, I think it's five or six presentations from various people who are effectively pitching for a $25,000 grant from the Orthopedic Research Foundation. I saw that uh, advertised this morning. I'm really disappointed, but I've got to go jump on a plane. Yeah. Well, I'm not that disappointed. I'm going to watch my 11-year-old swim. So that's pretty good. But that does look uh, like a terrific session there tomorrow morning. So no... Um, you, I mean, you do know you could record it on a telephone and your wife could send it to you. <laughs> the swim meet. <laughs> or should I send my wife here and go to the shoulder meeting? <laughs> um, so no Disney trip for you? Well, you never know. You never know. It might be. Uh, it might be on the cards. I don't fly home until Sunday night. So Sunday morning, I might have breakfast with Mickey Mouse. Yeah, we'll see. Good for you. Well, it's been really good catching up with you, Neil. The pleasure's it's mine. It's always good to see you in the flesh. But obviously, we'll talk again soon on the phone. Uh, I'd love to hear how the rest of that um, shoulder meeting went. What do you say we go and grab a little bit of lunch? Well, not only have I a bald head, I'm massively overweight, as you know, so I'll never turn down a free meal. <laughs> Good man. It's always reliable. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Cheers, Ben. <laughs>